Are you ready for a good time tonight? Okay, thank, thank you for coming and getting here, most of you, on time. And that will help you get out on time. We have a very simple agenda, and the first part of it is here. We're going to pray. We're going to eat. Maybe not necessarily in that order, right? Okay. We're going to introduce New Life uh, Leadership. We're going to smell some roses. We're going to look at a couple of challenges. We're going to look at some solutions that God's brought down the line. And we're going to introduce some new ministry partners. And so I want to ask you if you would to join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you for the time that we have to be together tonight. Thank you for gathering us back together here as a church family. Thank you for the tremendous calling you have given us as a church. Thank you even for the challenges that we encounter along the way. Because, Lord, we recognize that in every challenge, there's the opportunity for you to do what we cannot do on our own. We bless you for that. We thank you for being a God who's real, who's interactive with us, who is leading us. We bless you for the food that we're eating right now. Lord, would you give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and to accept and receive, and uh, minds that are open to what you've called us to do and to be. We bless you for all of it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for coming back again tonight, and I know people will continue to trickle in, and uh, so um, I'm going to ask you to multitask if you can. Um, you got some notes on the way in, right? Because anytime you come here, you'll get notes, correct? And anytime you come here, the notes are always missing a few words. Yes, that's our way of making sure. I almost put all the answers in and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Because this is my way of knowing and making sure that you uh, catch what we're talking about. If you didn't get uh, notes on the way in, raise your hand. Justin will come and bring them to you. Okay? All right. The first thing we want to do is we want to introduce New Life's leadership to you because... Though you get to see some of us sometimes and some of us kind of all the time, it's important for you to know that there are actually 13 people who work at the highest levels of leadership in this church, and they are tasked with praying, receiving God's direction, and leading the church as God directs. And so we want to introduce them to you tonight. We'll start with our paid staff, and uh, let's see... Um, we'll start with Justin. Justin, would you come up here, please? Paid sta- Where's Malia? She's managing child care. Okay, you'll have to. <clears throat> and you can, Justin, if you'll get over here with the rest. And, and you guys that are paid staff, just go ahead and stand up. Uh, here's, D- Justin does primarily two things in this church. He's in charge of worship production, which means he manages three worship teams, the sound teams, lighting teams, projection teams, the people who make videos, and all of that. And then uh, starting uh, just about a year, no, 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 just a few months ago, six months ago, um, seems like a year, (laughs) starting six months ago, Justin took over the management of our finance team. And uh, he has done an outstanding job of both of those. 
And uh, yes, and he currently does an outstanding job of both of those. Standing next to him is Angela. Yes, Angela's done an outstanding job as well. She has a few fans out there. Uh, Angela uh, leads our Connections Ministry, which is tasked with following up with all the people who come to New Life who are not yet in a life group. So all the people who come for the first time, making sure that they get properly followed up on, um, all the people who haven't yet been baptized, working them toward baptism, who haven't yet become Christians, working them toward becoming Christians and managing the whole Connections end of the church. And that came with a little addendum called the Special Events Team, which is a big addendum, right? And uh, the Special Events Teams actually um, manage the special events of New Life, um, things like Taste of India. We have an all-church picnic coming up. They partner with the various ministries to put on special events inside the ministries, and they do the connection events that you, you may have come to, probably have come to. So that's what Angela does. And she's, Justin and Angela have both been on staff about 10 years. Yeah, so Justin's almost 11. It started when they were 13. Yeah, they, yeah right. <laughs> Next to them is Kevin. And uh, Kevin needs no introduction to you. If you were here this morning, he spoke to us. Uh, Kevin has two jobs, life groups. You know that. That's not a surprise to you at all. Thank you. And <laughs> Nice. And <clears throat> Kevin also is in charge of our Sunday morning experience. So Kevin works at coordinating everything that happens here on a Sunday morning, making sure that uh, uh, all the people are in the right places doing the right things. And in that particular capacity, it's also working on the programming, what goes into our Sunday morning services, the order in which those things are going to happen. Is everybody where they need to be? And in that sense, he also manages Justin and Malia, Justin in the worship production end, and Malia, as you'll see in a minute, in first impressions. So if you like how things are going on Sunday morning, Kevin's the guy. If you don't like how things are going on Sunday morning, he's still the guy, all right? Next, uh, next would be Malia. There's Malia. <clears throat> and uh, Malia is in charge of facilities maintenance. And I have to tell you that in the last year and a half, what God has done through Malia in this facility is pretty outstanding. Uh, she just does a dynamite job of that. If you've worked on facilities maintenance, just put your hand in the air. Worked on the grounds, worked in the building. Yeah, exactly. And then Malia also works in first impressions. Those are the people who are service hosts, the people that do name tags, the people that serve communion, the people that receive the offering. They make sure the chairs are set up. and It's just all the things that have to do with first impressions. And when we have a special event, she gets to do parking, and sometimes she gets to do child care like she is tonight. So Malia's done a great job. Malia, how long have you been on staff? year and a half. Kevin, how long have you been on staff? About three years. Just about three years. There you go. Now, here's what I want you to know. Yeah, Malia deserves a hand. She has done a fabulous job. The staff's job is not to do ministry. Look at it. It's on your notes. It's to mobilize, train, and manage New Life's volunteer workforce. 
You guys are the ones who actually do ministry. It's our job to resource you and organize you so that we can accomplish our God-given mission through the ministries of the church. So that's the paid staff. Next, I want to introduce to you the stewards of the church. And yes, you guys can go. All right? Yes. The stewards of the church. Would you guys come up here, guys and gals? Please, and just kind of stand up here in a line. There's Rick DeCarley is on his way. I, I don't see him here right now, but I know he's going to be here. Uh, Jason, this is Jason Reese. He's our lead spiritual steward. And uh, Rick DeCarley is on his way. I can't introduce him to you. This is Jason Lamb. That is Wendy Todd. And next to Wendy is Eris. They, after all of you went home today, they met for a little over two hours this afternoon working on the spiritual health of the church. In fact, here's their job. They promote, you see their function? They promote, protect, and monitor the spiritual health of new life. And they do that primarily by helping make significant spiritual decisions, supporting and monitoring the spiritual health of our staff. Each one of these people has a staff member that they buddy up with and make sure that they're doing okay spiritually. They pray over those with significant needs. We had one of those situations just this morning that required urgent and immediate prayer. I always look for one of our stewards and say, come and pray with me with this person. And then they follow up with those who choose to become Christians or request information about baptism. These are the people who pray for you. These are the people who make sure that this church is spiritually strong. And they do a great job. Would you please show your appreciation for them? Thank you. And then we have one other team of people, and that is the pastor's management team. And uh, one of them is in, on business out of town. So where's Joe and where's Mark Malazzo? Joe, what up? All right, there's Joe. There, that's right. Both of these guys are from Long Island originally. Can you imagine that? And now they live out, now they live out here in God's country. Yeah, right. All right. Um, and the guy that's missing is Gordon McGee, who is actually our actually leads this team. Their function is to manage new life's business, and uh, by that, they they set operational policy. They handle compliance issues to make sure that we are in compliance with all the things that we should be as a 501c3 corporation and as a uh, corporation in the state of California. They handle human resource issues. They make sure the church is financially healthy. They have done a lot of work on what we're going to talk to you about later tonight. They hire and release the paid staff with the exception of me. I can't be fired. That's not true. I can be fired. It's just that they wouldn't do it. And then last of all, they handle insurance and liabilities for the church to make sure that the church is not, doesn't have some liability out there that isn't properly covered. And uh, uh, God brought this group together about two years ago, and they have put in countless hours. And you guys, all of us, owe them a big debt. They have done a great job. Thank you.
All right, are you ready to take some notes in a hurry? Because we're going to move through some stuff in a big-time hurry. We're going to smell the roses. By the way, we went over this this morning. I want you to read our mission statement out loud. Ready? Let's read it together. We connect people to God and others, develop them as followers of Christ, and move them into lifestyles of service. Simply stated in three words, what is it? Connect, develop, and serve. That's what we do. So let's smell some roses. In the Connect uh, field, we had 744 people here on Easter connecting with God. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? Yes, indeed. We had 150... Now, this is not just on Easter. I, I just wanted to go back and quantify some things, so I went back and took statistics, not actually from last week, but week before last, um, while I was putting this together. We had 158 different people or families respond in a definitive way to the teaching. In other words, they filled out a Connect card and they said, I'm making this decision, I'm making this commitment, um, I'm responding in this way. Uh, we, 84 of them asked us to partner with them with a specific prayer request. We have a wonderful prayer ministry and uh, yeah, 84 specific requests. 30 people have been baptized here in the last two months alone. Yeah, that's a big deal. 44 people since January have said, we want to become members. If you, if, you average, if you average that out over a year, that would be 132 people in one year. Okay? The lobby is a buzz of activity long before and after dismissal. Have you noticed that? It's my job to lock up once in a while. I've noticed that. I can tell you that for sure. That's a great thing. And then guests and regulars sense an overflowing of God's presence. Do you sense that in the church? Yes, yes indeed. Yeah, that's just great. So, and there's a lot of other things we could do. Let's move on to develop. When it comes to how we're developing, um, God has given us a defined path of spiritual development, and we're taking the first steps in that in the coming life group uh, sessions that begin in three weeks. And I'm very excited about that. That's going to be good for all of us. The number of life group participants has tripled in one year. That's huge. Um, the 356 different people have participated in a life group in the last year alone. The, the number of life groups has grown from 7 to 19 in one year. We have six life group coaches now who are coaching all of our life group leaders and helping to develop new ones. Did you enjoy John Diamond's testimony this morning? Wasn't that wonderful? There's a guy that two years ago wasn't going to church and coming in three weeks, he's going to be leading a life group and helping other people get connected with God and grow. That's pretty cool. The level of participation in worship, is it getting better? Yeah, let me give you an example. Let me tell you something. We are moving from a church that has worship to becoming a church that is a worshiping church. And there's a big difference between those two. And it's just terrific to watch us get caught up in worship on a Sunday morning and to really sense. In fact, I was in the back this morning and I was just worshiping God. A little tap on the shoulder and it was one of the members of the worship team who said, you're on in five minutes, I was sent to get you. Because I was just caught up in worship with everybody else. Um, 
We have 27 families back in January who took the four-month tithe challenge. That's awesome. That's a step forward in growth and development. Is that a significant step? Yeah, that is. 27 families said, yes, I'm going to do that. 20 more families said, I'm not sure I'm ready to take the tithe challenge, but I'm going to take the next step toward tithing. And uh, so there's lots of different ways in which to measure our development. Let's talk about serve for a minute. During the last 12 months, 45 different people have been trained and have served as life group leaders. That's up from seven, right? Significantly up from seven. Uh, Last week, 146 adults, I counted them, not, not last week, but week before last, 146 adults in our church invested at least one hour in ministry during that week. And many invested more than that. By the way, that translates to about just under 40%, over 39, but just under 40% of the adults who come here on a Sunday morning, who came here that Sunday morning, spent at least an hour in ministry. Uh, Over 200 adults average at least one hour of ministry per week in this church. Now, I can tell you that most churches work to get 20% of their people at that level. We realize that's over 55%. If you took our average Sunday morning adult attendance, it's over 55%. Um, This is a serving church. Uh, 49 plus, a little over 49, 49 that I know of that I could count, service projects were done by life groups in the last year alone. Um, We have 16 missionaries headed to Mexico in May. We have 11. These are short-term missionaries. We have 11 short-term missionaries headed to India in June, and we have a ton of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship students who come here who are headed to Guatemala and other mission fields this summer. So we are a church that's serving, okay? And, and uh, those are all signs that God is at work in us, great things. We do have a couple of challenges. The first challenge is our paid staff, our stewards, and our pastor's management team are all undersized. Okay? Uh, in other words, we actually need more of them. And uh, that, that's a challenge. They're all doing great work, but we could use more. And then secondly, our cash flow. Our cash flow is currently negative. That means that every month, typically, we bring in less in, in tithes and offerings than what goes out the door, which means we're touching our reserves. Now, thankfully, that number is going down. We're, we're touching it less and less significantly but still, our cash flow is negative, and our budget proportions certainly are not where we would like them to be. For instance, right now, we spend about 30% of our budget on, on staff. That's not what it should be. It's just what is what it is. Here's our current budget snapshot. Our annual budget has a projected $28,000 deficit for this year, and that is with everything trimmed to the absolute minimum. That's number two. Our budget has already been trimmed to only very crucial needs. 30% of our current budget is devoted to salaries. In a typical church, it should be somewhere around 50%. Okay? 55% of our current budget is devoted to loan payments on our building. 
that should be down in the 25 to 35% category. So those proportions are off, and it will take us a while to get them corrected, and we're going to talk tonight about some significant steps to getting that corrected. Here's our current CDF loan that uh, enabled us to purchase this property. It's $4.6 million, but it's actually a loan. It's not a mortgage. In other words, we're not actually paying down any of the principal, and the term of the loan is only three years. And we're about six months into it. So six or seven months into it. Um, it is at 8.5% interest, and it could go up. So that's pretty expensive. And that translates into $32,000 per month in just interest. That sound like a big number? Makes your house payment look small, huh? Yeah. Okay. So here's our current financial snapshot. We currently have $62,000 of cash on hand. Our, our building, these are the assets our building is worth. We just had it appraised. Uh, $5.15 million. The furniture and equipment in it is worth about $126,000, meaning our total assets are $5,338,000. Our building loan is $4.617 million. Uh, we have a small equipment loan of $10,000, meaning our total debt uh, is $4,627,000, which means if you want to know what the church's net worth is, right now it stands at $711,000. There you go. How's that for bottom line? Okay. Now, if we do nothing, if we leave everything the way it is in 18 months, here's where we will be. We will have $40,000 of cash on hand. The building will still be worth what it was worth, the furniture and equipment approximately what it was worth. The building loan will still be what it was. The equipment loan, we will have paid down a couple thousand dollars. And it means that our total debt is now $4,625, but our net worth is now down to $691,691,000, and our cash on hand has been cut by a third. Okay? There's a conclusion that comes from all of that, and that is that we need to pay off a current building loan with CDF in order to put the church in really good financial health. And God has provided a way for, for us to do that. So let me go through a couple of the benefits of refinancing. Number one, our goal is to reduce or even eliminate our deficit by lowering our payment by three to $5,000 per month. That turns our negative cash flow into at least a, a neutral to positive cash flow. Number two, it sets New Life up for hiring staff and expanding outreach in 2012 and beyond. Number three, it allows New Life to pay down its debt. So let's do a couple of proformas here so you can see what that looks like. Okay? In 18 months... The no change figures that I just gave you are on the right, but if you look on the left, you will see that it, with a refinance at 6.5%, which is what our target goal is, if we refinance and, and leave everything else the same, it means that our cash on hand goes from $40,000 to $94,000. That might enable us to hire a staff member. What do you think? Yeah, sure. It means our building is still worth what it's worth today. The furniture and equipment is still worth approximately what it is today. And it puts our, net, our total assets 
at 5.37 million. Look what happened to the building loan. The building loan went from above 4.6 million down to 4,598,000. We would pay off in 18 months, we would pay off $19,000 of our loan. Our equipment loan still goes down $2,000. And it means that now our total debt has, has now shrunk to 4.606 million and our net worth has gone up from 711,000 it has gone up to 764,000 instead of going down to 671 am i going through it too fast makes sense doesn't it okay now flip flip the page <clears throat> in 5 years by the way we don't have any comparison figures for in 5 years because if we do nothing in 5 years we'll be out of business does that make sense to everybody you can't tap in your reserves and do nothing for five straight years and, and, and still be around. So, But here's what it looks like in five years at 6.5%. Our cash on hand has swelled to almost a quarter of a million dollars, assuming we don't hire other staff members and that sort of thing. We would, but it gives us that sort of cash to do that with. The building is still worth uh, 5.15 for the purpose of this performer. The furniture and equipment will probably keep replacing as it breaks. It'll be worth about the same. Look where our building loan is now. It's down to $4.28 million. We have no equipment loan. Our total debt is $4.28 million. Look what our net worth is at that point. It's up, it's up over one and a quarter million dollars. So um, that's why we want to talk to you tonight about refinancing. There are some parameters. I want to go through those with all of us so we can be uh, straight up front about that. In order for us to refinance, we have to find a way to pay that $4.6 million loan with CDF. The current appraisal is $5.15 million. And most lending institutions, virtually all banks and lending institutions, are only going to loan us about 60 to 65% of what the value of our property is. Okay. If you're familiar with a crash we just went through in the last two years, it's what happens when lending institutions loan 90% of loan value, of, of building value. So all of them have curtailed that back to where it makes sense. So that, that leaves about 3 to $3.3 million that we should be able to procure in a loan from a lending institution. Well, with a $4.6 million debt, that leaves a little bit of a gap, correct? So we would get a new mortgage at a lower interest rate. The remaining $1.5 to $1.7 million is going to have to be raised through another means. And so that's what we want to talk to you about tonight as well. Take a look at this. The best thing that we can do is we can do church bonds. And so a bond is simply uh, loaning money, in this case, to ourselves. And here's how it works. Um, Bonds are served by uh, a Reliance Trust Company, and that's what they do. And they do this with churches all of the time. The, the bonds are, are going to be possibly, we're going to work to get them secured by the New Life facility so that this facility would be collateral for those bonds as a second trustee behind the primary mortgage holder. So let's take a worst-case scenario. If something happened and New Life had to fold Building and property would be sold, hopefully, at $5.15 million. Uh, the bank would get their $3 million. The bondholders would get their $1.5 million plus interest, whatever interest is due them. 
and whatever is left over the net worth and whatever that is uh, by law has to be donated to other nonprofit corporations. Cannot be donated to anybody outside of a 501c3 corporation. Okay? So that's what I mean. Bank would be first, bondholder second, and then the rest of it goes to 501c3 corporations. As further protection for this investment, we want you to know this. New Life maintains a property insurance policy equal to the replacement value of the facility. So we carry not just a depreciated um, policy, it is full replacement value. If this place burned to the ground, we would want to be able to rebuild it um, without any cost to the congregation. Okay. Secondly, New Life maintains a key person life insurance policy on me. So if I have a heart attack tomorrow, actually New Life carries a $1 million life insurance policy on me. And that would tide the church over until the church could get a new senior pastor. So you know what that means? I'm worth more dead than alive. <laughs> That's what that really means. Okay? So please don't go home and pray anything about that, all right? Um, but uh, we want you to know, by the way, the pastor's management team has been hard at work putting all this stuff together along with Justin to make sure that we have accurate figures and that the church is well protected. When we talk about managing liabilities, we're talking about that very thing to make sure the church is well protected. Um, so now, let's, let's talk about uh, a couple of things I'm going to introduce you to some ministry partners. It's a win-win-win situation, really. Take a look at this. Um, if we go through with this bond program, which I strongly think we should, New Life wins because it turns our negative cash flow into a positive one, and it enables us to begin paying off our mortgage. That's a good thing, don't you think? It's a great thing. Number two, bondholders win because most will receive a better return on their investment than they now get. The bonds we're talking about, I'm going to let the other guys I'm going to introduce you to in a minute tell you about it. But in most of your cases, whatever you're getting, where you have it invested, if you have it in anything you have in CDs or anything like that, you're going to get a way better return than anything you would get there. And then number three, all of us win because we end up paying interest to ourselves. Isn't it better to pay interest to ourselves than to a bank somewhere? I think that's a, I think that's a great thing. So that's a third win. And there's actually a fourth win that, that uh, these guys are going to tell you about. Because uh, everyone in the church that wants it is going to get a free, comprehensive, personal financial planning with qualified financial planners. These are the same kind of people you would get at Merrill Lynch or Edward Jones or any of those places, but you're going to get it absolutely free. And so let me introduce you. Uh, you can see the summary there yourself. I won't take the time to go through that. But let, let me introduce you to some new ministry partners that God has brought our way. And we'll start with Chet Reed. Chet, would you come up here, please? This is Chet. Would you give Chet a hand? Welcome him to New Life. Thanks. Chet is with Eagle Ledge, and he was the first guy that God steered our direction when it came to putting this whole thing together. Uh, Chet and Eagle Ledge actually issue and service bonds, and he is going to help us find a lending partner to, to, that will loan us that $3 million to help us pay off our loan. So he's a very important guy, and I'm happy to tell you that this Tuesday, 
a group of us are meeting with the very first person who, who has called me on the phone and said, Ron, we are really anxious. And this is a great church organization, a great Christian organization. We really want to take a look at loaning New Life $3 million. And so we're meeting with them on Tuesday. And, and it was actually Chet who found this guy. So um, and that's another long story. So that's Chet. Wayne, would you come up here, please? This is Wayne Rogers. And Wayne and some friends of his have founded um, a company called Assets Planning Ministry. And it is a foundation, which means they're coming here to give us free financial planning, and you cannot pay them if you want to. In fact, one of the leaders, Gordon, that I was telling you about, who leads our pastor's management team, uh, he went to lunch and said, uh, let me buy your lunch. He said, no, you can't do that. I'm a foundation. I can't take anything from you. Um, so uh, God has laid it on their hearts, both deeply Christian people. Their specialty is working with churches, and their specialty is helping Christians get financially healthy. And I won't give you all their spiel, but there are ministry partners that, that are already valuable to us. And I'm going to turn over to Chet first of all, and then he's going to turn it over to Wayne. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you, Pastor. It's great to be with you this evening. Uh, you've got a fabulous uh, management team that we've already met with several times, and we're delighted to be with you. We'll tell you that Eagle Ledge uh, Capital and its principals have been uh, involved in church financing for about 20 years and have a funded project as small as a few hundred thousand dollars to up to $35 million. We work nationally, and we've literally done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of projects, uh, just like the one that you have uh, in front of you for consideration tonight. Now, one of the things that we have discovered over time is this, is that people participate best when they understand thoroughly what it is they are investing in. Uh, I am a registered investment uh, individual with SEC, FINRA, those, all those kind of things, registered with the states in which I work. But one of the things that we have done recently is, and have been very pleased about, is that we've invited asset pre uh, planning ministries to participate with us in education seminars. And they are, they're going to be here tonight, and, they're gonna, and Wayne is going to talk about uh, all the ins and outs of some financial planning things you should know about. He's going to talk to you specifically about church bonds and how they work. And he's, got, and he's brought a whole team with him that he'll be sharing with you tonight as well. You're going to gain some really great insight, and you're going to discover why the plan that we're presenting to you really will work. Now, I will tell you that, uh, that Eagle Ledge has never participated with another outside group before because, quite frankly, we never found a team that was the quality of this particular team. Wayne Rogers and his team know what they're talking about. They're believers in their own right. They're active in their own churches, and uh, they give good common sense uh, education to those of us that are here tonight, and you will enjoy it. Wayne, I'm going to ask you to come and to share with the group tonight. Please welcome him, and you'll find him to be a friend before the night is over. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. How many of you were at the first workshop that we did? I thought I recognized some faces out there. Can't see much with the light here. 
I hope tonight that we can do something that will help you understand what your church is trying to do, attempting to do, and I believe going to do. And also, I hope you have something that you can take away that's useful for you, but also useful for those that you know, whether it's your children, whether it's your parents, whether it's someone that you just know and care a lot about, that you can hand to them that may make a difference in their life when it comes to their finances. Now, I know the church has done some of the um, financial programs. I think you've done a, a Dave Ramsey program, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe you're in the middle of that now. Yeah, great programs. Those are really awesome programs. I want to make a deal with you before we start, just like we did the last time. I spent 27 years as a CEO of a venture capital firm in the middle of Silicon Valley, invested in a great variety of things, uh, some of which I'm sure I'm going to get to talk about when this meeting's over, since I know one of your people here pretty well, um, from race cars to banks uh, all over the world. And I can tell you this, if you don't understand it, don't do it. That's really the bottom line. If it sounds too good to be true, pretty much is. Uh, if somebody's using large words you need to look up in a dictionary to explain a financial product, run. There's no reason for that. There never has been any reason for that. I'm going to speak to you very directly. The team that we've got here I'll introduce in a minute or when we're finished, and then I want you to know who they are and, and that sort of thing so they can help you. But we're going we're gonna to deal directly. Is that okay with you? I mean really straight. Now, the reason for that is the more you know, then the more you can make sense out of your own finances and the more you can make sense out of your own investment. So let's get started. Now, I'm told this may work, so we're going to find out. Church bonds, that's what we're going to talk about, but we're going to get there through a route that we know uh, in our work is financial needs analysis and financial planning type analysis. And we're starting off good. There we go. So what's this about? It's about saving the church money and making members money. How often have you heard that in a church? We're going to make you some money. Are you interested? <laughs> Not very often, right? In this case, it's true. And we're going to understand all the pieces of that before the night's over. Money. Talking to God about money is good. Listening to him is even better. Have you ever prayed so long and so hard that you forgot to stop? And listen to what God may have to say. I'm really guilty of that. I hate to admit this here to you, but as a fifth generation Southern Baptist from ministry pastors all the way through, my family was really good about praying. They were horrible about listening. And that's part of the equation too. God can make you comfortable with what you're doing. Make you understand. A little bit about the APM Foundation, not because you need to know from a commercial standpoint because... You can't pay us any money to do anything, but you need to know who you're working with. So I want to just give you a, just a brief background on that. But let me start out with something first. Uh, you just met Dr. Chet Reed, who is really the president and chairman of the Eagle Ledge Capital, Eagle Ledge Foundation, and Eagle Ledge Reserve nonprofits. Pretty impressive. But he's the kind of guy that will stand up here and say, hey, I'm just a guy that helps churches and tries to help them raise a little money and push the ministry and gospel on out. Pastored a church for 14 years? Yeah. Pastored a church a long time. He understands what you're going through, as do the rest of this team that is sitting over here. So let's just get going. There's four divisions to the foundation. 
The first division is asset preservation ministries. It deals with high net worth individuals of about five million plus because they have a different set of problems. Taxes. They can you can make as much money as you want, but if the government takes fifty to fifty five percent of it, that's an issue, we think, when it's better used somewhere else in ministry. So that division deals with those. Financial planning divisions, really family financial planning, not so much to get out of debt, although that's part of it, but this is really structuring with a purpose what your money's for and what you're trying to accomplish with it. This is a group you'll talk a little bit with tonight. Mission support, we're an overfunded ministry, which is really cool. Uh, we take our own advice and, and generate funds within the ministry from investments, and those we use to fund other ministries and other mission projects. We can't do them ourselves, but we can help put bullets in the guns as they go out and, and do their warfare out in, in that world. Um, and we always joke and say, listen, the last thing you want to do is have us sing in your choir, but we can gather assets to help other people do other things. And then the last one, which is really the one that we're dealing with here tonight, is church funding, education, which is really the how do you fund a church and how can you make things better uh, for a church from a financing point of view when they're growing and, and restructuring as you guys are here tonight. Our, our story is pretty simple. Justin asked me to make sure that everybody understood what APM is, which is Asset Planning Ministries. We tend to overlook that. It was founded really to help Christians find out where they are and where they want to go financially and show them the best options on how to get there without a bias. We don't work for anybody, so we don't have to sell anything. We don't have to sell mutual funds or whatever it is that someone told us to sell this morning because we work for one of the financial institutions. There's no charges or fees for anything that we do in the planning services that we provide for you. And we don't accept payment donations or love offerings from anyone that we serve. If you feel an obligation to do that, give that to your church, please. Okay, now let's get going here. Well, it was working. I think it works over here. Rich, you may have to. There we go. What, well, too much. What is financial planning? It's really an umbrella that may be a little different than you think about it. From a high-level professional, what you'll find out financial planning is, is it's, it covers spending, saving, investing, insuring, lifetime of income from those of you who have to turn your assets into income later as you uh, no longer have a real employer and your assets have become what has to give you the paycheck at the end of every month, and leaving a legacy. Legacy. Anybody know what that is? That's estate planning. It's different than financial planning. Do you know the difference? Anybody know the difference? I'll make it real easy for you. You ready? You've heard this before if you were in the first meeting, and you probably still remember it. Financial planning is when you're above ground. Estate planning is when you're below ground. It's that simple. Now, you'll read books about what it is, but I just told you exactly what it is. Estate planning comes in when you're below ground. Financial planning is today, and we're here. Okay, our philosophy is really pretty simple, and it's one we're going to stick with throughout the night and throughout the rest of our lives with you, and that is make no financial decision without good understanding. That's rule number one. Rule number two is never forget rule number one, period. That's it. If you don't understand it, don't do it until you do understand it. Because when you understand it, you'll know if it's a good investment for you and your family. Hey, it changed. Now, God has a plan for you because it's scriptural. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future out of Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, a lot of people hang on to that scripture, and you should hang on to all of them. 
That one in particular tells you all you need to know. Could you want for anything more? Really, could you want for anything more? I think since we've been doing this work for years and years now, I must have been asked a thousand times, what, what is God's plan for my life? And I think most of it was asked in a financial context. And the answer is always the same. I don't have a clue. I do not know. But I can tell you this. I can tell you a lot of things that aren't on God's plan for your life, and so can you. Huge gambling debts, that's not in God's plan for your life. Abuse, all of the things that go along with that, those aren't on God's plan for your life, financially or otherwise. So one of the keys to this is if you can take that stuff and get it out of the way, you get a much clearer view of what God really has in store for you. And then it starts to work, really work. Okay. Come on now, cooperate with us, please. Did it? Seek God's plan first. Success is not accidental. Okay, you will not accidentally wake up tomorrow morning and find out that you've gotten all of your finances in good order. You will not wake up tomorrow morning and find out accidentally that you have now gotten that new degree and that new job you always wanted. And you will not wake up tomorrow morning and accidentally find out you've lost that 10 pounds you've been trying to lose for the last year and a half either. You have to have a plan, and that plan has to be specifically for you and your family. Agreed? Every plan is different. There are no, there's no such thing as press a button and have your plan spit out of your computer printer. It does not work that way. It never did. It's got to fit you. Getting to the right destination requires knowing four things. Now, look, for the next couple of minutes, this is one of those teaching moments. I want you to stay with me, if you will. The rest of it's going to be boring, but stay with me on this, right? Because this is something you can teach your children, and it'll make a difference in your investing life from now on. Getting to the right destination, that's purposefully wanting to go somewhere. I never could say that word very well. Purposefully wanting to get to some place. Getting to the right destination requires knowing four things. Number one, where you are. Number two, where you're going. Number three, when do you want to get there? Number four, how are you going to get there? It doesn't sound like finances, does it? Let me give you an example, and then we'll move to the financial part of it where it fits. Let's say that we have just been told that tomorrow at noon in the Waldorf Astoria in downtown New York City that we are going to meet with the kings and queens of Europe and the presidents of several countries for the best lunch we've ever had, all expenses paid. That's, that's our destination. That's what we want to do. So let's go through this. Where are we now? You can do it. Come on. Pedal in it. Where are we going? Downtown New York City. When do we want to get there? Tomorrow at noon. Okay. How are we going to get there? Now, pause. Here comes the Amtrak salesman who says, man, you got to get to New York. Here's some tickets on Amtrak first class. Can we take them? Will it be a good investment? Absolutely not. First of all, it won't get there by noon. Secondly, it's not going to get to New York anyway. It's going to end up some other place. Okay, can we drive? We have a nice car. 
Can we make the decision to pay for the gas and drive and get there by noon tomorrow? Absolutely not. There's another one. Just get it out of the way. It won't work. Could you walk? No. Very conservative. Could we walk? Absolutely not. It's ludicrous. So don't let anybody talk us into walking. There's actually one way, right? You've got to get on a jet airplane and fly to New York. That is the only investment that'll work. So if you get all the other stuff that has no chance of working out of the way, now you're focused on what few things will actually work. Okay, that's the basis for this. Four keys to financial planning. What is the purpose of the money that you may be talking about? Not your global money. Some money doing something has a purpose. Every dollar has a story of how it got into your pocket or into your bank account. And every dollar should have a story and a destination of where it's going. What's the purpose of the money? When do you need the money? How much money do you need? Where do you put it to make that happen? Let's cover some things that would hurt. What's the purpose of the money? Well, how about lunch? When do you need the money? Tomorrow. About noon. How much do you need? Ten bucks. Where do you put it to make that happen? Okay. My financial consultant said, let's put it in mutual funds. How in the world are you going to get an account open, get it in there, and get it out in time for lunch tomorrow? N not only that, it's probably not going to be worth ten bucks by tomorrow if you get it in there, right? Okay. So we know that won't work. What about a CD down at the bank? That's a nice place, FDIC insured, nice lady down there. That's not going to work, is it? Because they want you to leave it for a while or there's a penalty for early withdrawal, right? So that won't work. And we can go through all of the rest of the investment choices that someone is going to try to sell us. But let me assure you, none of them are going to work. There is one place you can do this. Do you know where it is? It's in your pocket. That is the only place you have ready access to it by tomorrow at lunch. Anything else is going to fail. Now, that's the key to financial planning is making wise decisions about investments that are not chasing returns but actually have the investment purpose the money. Apply a purpose to the money so that it does what it's supposed to do. Now, come on here. Okay. When you do that, you know that certain things are going to happen in your life at certain times and you're going to need a certain amount of money to do that. Then you can imply the investment to it that makes sense. The best investment in the world, as touted by someone who's probably going to earn a fee or commission for selling it to you, may sink you if the timing is wrong on it. It may not work for you at all. Without a plan, you're just drifting. To end up at the right place, you've got to know where you are now, what it takes to get to your destination, clear-cut values and goals, a written plan on how to get there, and then you've got to put that plan into place. That's it. It's that simple. And that's what we do every single day with folks that straightens up their finances. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. Jesus said it better than anybody. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean to you? Do you know what that actually means? Do you know what he was trying to tell those folks with that statement? It's pretty simple. How do you recognize and develop your values and goals? What if I ask you, what are your current values? What do you value? Could you make that list and write that down? What's important to you? 
What's incredibly important to you? What do you really value? If you were in the other workshop, you already know this. I really don't need you to tell me and, and our guys don't need you to tell them what your values are. Did you know they can tell you, each one of you individually, what your values are? Because Jesus taught them how to do it. Do you, do you know how it's done? Go get your calendar and your checkbook. I want to know where you're spending your time and your money. That tells me what you value or you wouldn't be doing it. Now, if that's not what's in your heart, if that's not what you want your values to be, that's the disconnect that causes the pain in finances and families. Does that make sense to you? Okay. You want to know what they are? Just go get those two things and run down that list. And it, some of it will be shocking to you to say, I don't want to do that anymore. It's a good thing. But that'll set your values. Now, what are your hopes and dreams? What if I said to you, a high-level financial planner is not someone who's trying to sell you something that you may not need. A high-level financial planner tries to structure things that meet your hopes and dreams and allow those to happen, whether that's a new car, a new boat, a new ministry, a retirement, whatever it is. But there has to come first the hopes and the dreams. What if I ask you, what are your hopes and dreams? Is that a tough one? It is for most people. Let me give you some keys that you can teach your children and yourself and for us tonight. Let's do this quickly. I'm going to ask you three questions. Don't answer them. Think about them. They're going to be different for every individual sitting in this room. Number one, if you had all the money you would ever need to do anything you would ever want to do, anything. This is Bill Gates' money times a million. Money is no object. Everybody with me? Zero. It is not an object. How would you live your life differently starting tomorrow morning? Let yourself dream. If money were no object, how would you live your life differently starting tomorrow morning? What would you do differently? Would you buy the biggest yacht and cruise the Mediterranean? Would you feed all of the orphans in Africa, which about three million of them are going to be dead by probably the time that we're through with this presentation today, out of starvation? What would you do if you had all the money in the world to do anything you'd ever want to do? That's a money question. Number two, you're going to be perfectly healthy. You have what you have. But God is going to take you home five years from today. That's it. You have five years to live. Now, how are you going to live your life differently starting tomorrow morning? A time question. What are you going to get done in five years that's going to really now prioritize that time? Okay? The last one's the hardest one of all. And usually when we sit in sessions with families and go through this, these, this is a tough question to ask uh, because it invokes a lot of emotion. It is this. This time tomorrow, 24 hours from today, you're dead. That's it. Now, the question is not, what would you do in the next 24 hours? The question is, what'd you miss? What'd you not get to be? What'd you not get to see? What'd you not get to do? What did you not get to take care of? Because you are out of money and time. Make sense? When you can build the answers to those questions and let yourself dream, now we've got the makings to start to apply your finances to your hopes and dreams. Not the other way around. Let's see how much money I can pile up and then maybe I'll decide what to do with it. That does not work. That's the yo-yo you see and feel in your finances all the time. Okay.
Are you wondering if we're ever going to get to bonds? We really are. Planning with a purpose. You really need goals in order to measure success. Without these goals and a plan, you're just easily distracted. Anybody easily distracted? That's the problem. If you don't write things down, you don't remember them. Did anybody make New Year's resolutions? Did you write them down? How are you doing on those? That's the point. They have to be written down. Okay. Let's speed this up a little bit if I can. Written plans, Habakkuk 2.2. Anybody ever read that book in the Bible? A little bitty book in the Bible, Habakkuk? Yeah, it's a cool little book, as they all are. Write the vision down and make it clear. If God said write it down, what do you think we are to do? Remember when Moses went up on that mountain? God did not say, hey, Mo, I got some things for you, about ten of them. I want to tell you what they are. You take them back down. You tell the people so they'll behave themselves. Is that what happened? No, they got written down, didn't they? They were written down. That's what has to happen for you to stay on track. You have to have written plans. Implementation is the key. Now look, there are five frogs sitting on a log. Four of them decide to jump off. How many are left? It's easy math. No, there's five left. Deciding to jump off and actually jumping off are two different things. <laughs> Financial planning is the same way. Losing weight's the same way. Deciding to do it and actually do it are two very different things. Implementation is the key. You need someone to walk with you and help you implement these things and keep them going until it becomes natural for you to do it. You don't have to know all of the answers to get started. In fact, you don't have to know many answers at all to get started. Okay, let's go here. God created specific... Whoa, sorry. God created specific people like me who are klutzes. I'm going to put this in my pocket. Is it still on? Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Specific people with specific gifts. In your church, I just heard this great report about these people do this, and these people are gifted to do this, and these people are gifted to do this. And you let these people use their gifts, don't you? And you let these people use their gifts to help you. That's the same thing when it comes to your finances and your security and your planning with a purpose. Use people that have been gifted to do these things. They can surround you. Guys like Eagle Ledge and Chet Reed who can surround you with their gifts to help improve the church's situation. Guys like the APM financial educators that can help you, surround you, and help you improve what you're trying to get to. First establish where you're trying to get to and then help you get there. So let them use their gifts. Now, this is a process. The process is pretty clear. I'm going to go a little quick here because um, I don't want to keep you too long. But you simply build a personal relationship with the APM financial planner. You set your hopes and dreams and goals. You align those goals with God's plan for your life. We stop there. If we can't get that aligned, we're pretty much out of business because anything we do is not going to work. It's all his anyway. We're just trying to get it together so that you can perform under God's plan for your life. And you'll determine what that is, along with God, who will tell you if you ask him. Okay, make sure of your spiritual values. Collect all your information in one place. Do a financial analysis, maybe even a second or third opinion. If you have advisors yourself, that's fine. Uh, map out how the best options are to accomplish your goals, not to try to... Well, map out the best options to accomplish your goals. I'll get to that in a minute. Set up your estate plan. That's the below ground thing, right? Okay. Implementation. Put it in place. If you don't put it in place, it's not any good. And that gives you some intentional success. And that's what we're really after here. Now, 
This is something that's very simple. It's part of the process. Don't let your eyes glaze over because we're only going to be here about 10 or 15 seconds. This is a four-bucket money management system that corporations use. I used it to run our venture capital bank for years and years and years. And everybody can use this. Now, everybody in this room has four buckets. Now, you may not have anything in your buckets, but you have these four buckets. The first bucket is the now money. That's the money you've got in your pocket right now, probably in your wallet, in your purse, that you're going to use to buy gas for your car, to pay for lunch, to buy something to drink. All of those things is the now money. You've got to have ready access to that money, and it needs to be now. That's normally the money. Can you see that right there? What does that say? Church giving. Church words. Sacrificial giving. That means that money that you would have a choice to do anything you want to with, you give that to the church, right? That's what that means. And that's normally the bucket that comes from. Short-term money. This is bucket number two. Anybody have a savings account or a money market account that they transfer money out of over into a checking account or day-to-day account? That's bucket number two money. Okay. It gets a little better interest. This gets like 0.001% interest. This gets 0.001% interest. It's a little better. Okay. Long-term money, this is the bucket that's normally empty. And this is the bucket we try to get people to fill. I'll do the same thing I did the last time with this age group. Who has an 8-year-old? Congratulations. 10 years. Who has an 8-year-old boy? Great. 10 years from now, you're going to want to go to college. You're going to have to pay for it somehow. So you have 10 years between now and that time to prepare for that. That's where that money goes starting now. You start preparing. That way you don't have to fund the whole thing. You only have to fund the part that will grow large enough to fund that college education. Make sense? Okay, who has an eight-year-old girl? Anybody? Wow. Who? Ha- oh, back here. Congratulations. You're going to have to send her to college and there's going to be a wedding too, probably about 18 or 19. Ten years from now, maybe 11, something in that range. Wait, so we'll check back and see how that goes. Okay, that's the bucket that you get ready for vacations and travel. Maybe even a mission trip you want to go on in three or four years. The last bucket, bucket number four, is your retirement and never money. Anybody got a 401k, IRA, retirement type account? Sure, almost everybody has those. It works for an employer. Well, it used to be everybody had those. It's not so much anymore. But that's where your retirement account is. So that's retirement and never. What's the never money? Come on, you can do it. That's the money that's still there when you die. You never used it. Okay, everybody, for the most part, that has a ticket to heaven or otherwise dies with something left in the bank. Okay, that's the never money. So what do you do with never money? That's estate planning. Where does it go for the best benefit of the kingdom and your family when you die? That's also where church bond money can come from. And that's the best place for it to come from. I'm going to hit that a little harder in a minute. Remember that. Church bond money doesn't come out of your pocket for the most part. It comes out of retirement account money. It is an alternative investment that works so much better than most of the other investments that you're into. Now, a little review just so we get everything straight. Remember I told you I was going to talk to you straight? That's what we're going to do now. On to the stock market. Okay, here we go. This is not a plan. How many of you are on this plan? It's not a good one. It is absolutely not a good plan. 
Okay, don't, again, uh, don't let me lose you. I want you to stay with me because this may be one of the most important things you see when someone tries to sell you something like mutual funds or whatever later on. You'll know how to evaluate them. Some are great, lots stink. So you need to know what's happened and why. Right, can you see the little red dot there? From there to there is approximately, you can't see the numbers, they're too small. It's about 11 years. So we're going to go backwards 11 years. This is uh, two or three weeks ago. Okay. We said that when 9-11 happened, that it crashed the stock market. Remember that? 9-11 was our first time that we saw a big drop in, in about a decade. Not true. Here is this, this, this jiggledy graph are the top 500 companies in the United States all together averaged out so we can see what the general stock market did throughout that whole period of time. It's called the S&P 500. Many of you have investments in the S&P 500. Not a bad place to be. Before 9-11, will you please notice right here that the stock market was 50% of the way down before 9-11. Do you know why? Remember the things we forget so easily? Dot-com bust? That hit. That had already wiped out about 50% of the 401ks at that point. Then 9-11 hit, and down she really goes. And then we did a long climb out and started feeling real good because here is where the TV said, and all the investment advisors that work for all of the companies in all the world kept saying the market is on fire. Okay, so what is this like right here? Are you ready? This is like diving to the bottom of the swimming pool that's 10 feet deep, Coming up about eight feet and feel really good because you're not on the bottom anymore. Now take a deep breath and see how it feels. Okay. You're not there yet. So somewhere in this range, we climb out above this line here where we started. We start to feel pretty good here. And then something called 2008 happened, didn't it? And the mortgage crisis hit and the whole world came to a stop. And this happened here. And once again... What happened? We got wiped out. And our securities type accounts that are hooked to this S&P 500. Now, we have done a long build out over a long period of time. Are some of you feeling pretty good about your accounts now and that sort of thing? You should. They've been on a rise for quite a while now. But please note the angle of this red line. It means that if you had put money into the market and let it sit there 11 years ago, as we stand here today, it is not quite back to where it was 11 years ago. How do you like that so far? It's not a good thing, folks. Almost all investors do this. Please don't be one of them. When things are red hot and the TV is full of the advertisements. Anybody seen a gold advertisement lately? Okay. When the TV is full of the advertisements and everybody in every article you read is telling you how hot the stock market is and how great gold is, the train has left the station and it has left you behind. Do not make that investment. Do not do it. That's when almost all investors dump their money in to see it do this, come down, and what do they do when it's down here? Sell. Two things make the stock market work. Greed, that's the gold advertisement you're seeing. And fear, that's this. That's, oh my gosh, we're going to lose all our money. Well, I can't do this anymore. I've got to sell. Sell here. As the market gets back up here, 
Well, I guess it's all over with. Everything's okay. Let's take what we have left and put back into the markets only to see it do this again. Okay, that's how the markets work. That's how those, let's do this. Maybe it'll make sense to you. Don't raise your hand because it could cause an issue. I don't know what the mentality of the church is. If, if you've ever been to Las Vegas or seen a picture of Las Vegas, there's some great big buildings in Las Vegas, huge monster buildings. Those were not built on the winner's money. Make sense? Have you ever been to New York City and seen those big buildings on Wall Street and those giant salaries and those huge benefit plans? Those were built on your money. You didn't get it back. Does it make a little sense to you? The biggest casino on earth is Wall Street. If you know how to play the game as a professional, you can do okay. If you're the average person who's on vacation in Wall Street or Las Vegas, you are going to be fleeced. So that's the way that it works. Okay. Anybody want to talk to me when this is over? Please do. Now let's move on. Maybe. Okay, here's one I want to touch on for currently. Sometimes you can do better in a bad market like we have now. This is a bad market. It may not feel like it today. Hang on. We're, we're about to see a bad market again, probably before summer's over. Now, in a bad market, sometimes you can do better by cutting your costs as opposed to trying to increase your returns and taking more risk. Now, you know, is cutting cost a point, a percentage, one or two percentage points? Does it make any difference? Walk through this with me. It's incredibly simple math. Almost no investor ever does it. It's never taught. Tonight, you get taught. Here we go. Fees and commissions can hurt your chances of success. Okay. These will be an example of the commissions and fees on your total account per year if you have a brokerage account with somebody. Sounds like I'm really ripping up the banks and stuff. I am. Okay. Here we go. I helped create part of that industry, so I'm to blame for it. But, you know, Peter wasn't such a nice guy either before he ran into Jesus. So you can, you know, you got to give me a little room here. All right. Let's say you have a $100,000 account. Look, if you got a $10,000 account, just take the zeros off of it. If you got a million-dollar account, add a couple of zeros. It's all the same. But we're going to take $100,000, and we're going to say the average fee on your account is about 3%. That's a pretty low number. It's, it can be as high as 5 to 8, and normally is. A lot of them, these fees you don't get to see. They're called soft money fees. We're allowed to take almost a full percentage point off of the pile of money mutually that your account's into. You won't see that on your statement. And there's little bitty things, look for them tonight when you go home, called 12B1 fees. These are unusual fees. There's no point in going into what they are, but you pay them uh, and you get virtually nothing for them. At the end of the day, when you add it up, it's about 3% out of your account minimum. That means three pennies out of every dollar that you have invested. The house that's managing your money takes that out. It doesn't seem so bad, does it, really? I mean, it's three cents out of a dollar to do all of that work and whatever it is they do. And Okay, that's, that's fine. That's one year. Skip with me down to 10 years. In 10 years, 10 years times 3% is 30% total fees on that $100,000 if it never grew. Remember the chart of 11 years when nothing happened? Okay, it didn't grow. 
That means that we've got $30,000 in fees coming out of the account. It's looking a little rougher, isn't it? 20 years out at 3% is 60% total fees. Now we're looking at $60,000 out of it. And if we were in it for 30 years, which some of you my age have been in accounts longer than that, then we're looking at 30 times 3 is 90% total fees on that money. Listen, if that money doesn't grow, you're going to lose it. That's how the big buildings get built. That's how fees and commissions work. Is everybody okay with that? You see that? If you look at it through a straw in one year, it seems just fine. If you look at it for the amount of time you're actually invested, it gets sickening. So anytime you can reduce those or get a reduced fee, you're going to gain more money. How much more? Well, if you reduced it by 3%, guess what? Those are your numbers across there on $100,000. Does that make sense to everybody? I don't think this is in the presentation anywhere. What do you think your fees and commission are on church bonds? Guess. Yeah, zero. Okay, makes more sense. You're three, you're three points ahead before you even start. You haven't even picked up a piece of paper and signed it yet. You're three points ahead. That's great. Okay, here we go. I've got to get going here. This is something that we try to teach, but we've already gone through it a lot. It's kind of the Ford and the Chevy story, as I like to call it. Be aware of this. Again, I've really been picking on the, on the, the broker-dealer firms and the brokerage houses, but guess what? You've got to be a brokerage house and broker-dealer firm to do the work that we do and certainly the work that Eagle Edge does in terms of bond offering. So it's not all bad, but you just have to be aware of how it works. If you're aware of how it works, you can use it for your benefit, and that's what you would want to do. If you tonight, tomorrow, let's make it tomorrow's Monday. If you drove, I don't know if Petaluma has a Ford. Do they have a Ford dealership? Got a Chevy dealership? Okay, here we go. Let's drive to the Ford dealership, and let's call them Merrill Lynch. And let's say, my family needs a plan for cars and trucks. We want, we want to just redo what we have. So can you write us a plan that would be the very best vehicles? Maybe a pickup, maybe a van, maybe a sedan, and maybe a little economy car. I mean, we want four of them. Can you write us a plan that will be the best cars for our family? And what are they going to say? Absolutely. We'll be happy to do that for you. We can do that. We'll make great recommendations for you. Okay. Let me assure you of one thing. There will be no Chevrolets on that list. None. Zero. Right? So when you go to a broker-dealer or your investment advisor or a financial planner that charges you for putting things in place, remember they work for somebody and they must sell the products of who they work for. May not be good for you, might be really good for them. I'm not saying it's always not good for you, but you have to be aware that's what's going on. So what's your question? How much do you make if I buy that? If you get a, a huffy answer, as my grandmother used to say, well, he got huffy with me, so I walked out. Not a bad idea. Those things work. Okay. Financial planning tools that just work. Listen, there's always excuses in delay. Some issues seem insurmountable. There are the, No issues are insurmountable in God's world, right? I mean none. But the longer you let them lay around and fester, the harder they get to deal with. Okay, are church bonds a good investment? Oh, guess what? We're on to church bonds. And now we are going to go. Everybody ready? I guess I should answer that, huh? Yeah, they're an incredible investment. If you believe in your church. So we'll go a little further and see. What's the issue? The church needs to replace the current mortgage lender. 
Now, your pastor gave you a lot of information. I'm just going to hit the highlights of it real quickly from an educational point of view. Remember, that's what the APM Foundation does. We educate. I don't really care about what your numbers are. I know they're going to get better because I know what's coming to you. Chet's going to talk to you about the specifics of your offering in a minute. I'm just going to talk to you in general about how this stuff actually works. Okay, you need to replace your current mortgage lender. Why? To lower the interest rate being paid. And there's other reasons. The church needs something like a loan or a mortgage at a better rate. That's what you heard earlier, right? I mean, that's what will cure the issue. Your team believes that's what it's going to take. Let's review. Church tithes and offerings, what are they? Church members actually receive the blessing of being able to return to God a portion of what he has given them to manage, and that's through tithes and offerings, and that lets God's work continue. But in your case, you need something else. Now, if you had four or 5,000 members, you might not, but you don't. You've got what you have because this is what God has gathered in this flock, and we move from here. Okay, so that's tithes and offerings. Everybody understand what that is? It's pretty simple. Okay, come on here. Now, you need something like a new mortgage, maybe a loan, or maybe all of the above. So here we go. Let's see what we got. Why is this getting harder? How a mortgage or a loan usually works. Now, you heard the pastor give you very technical details on how your mortgage works. Great presentation, incidentally. But the best I've heard from a pastor. Most of the time, those have things have to be cleaned up when a meeting's over, big time. <laughs> With him, that's not going to be, I mean, really cleaned up. You know, we had 8,000 people in here on Sunday morning. But, Pastor, we only have 200 chairs. I know. I, I'm pretty sure we did. Okay. <laughs> Here's how a mortgage or a loan usually works. Church members' offerings, that's you and your offerings, go to pay the church mortgage. Everybody understand that? The pastor does not get all that money that comes around in the collection plate. Actually, some of it has to go to pay the mortgage, right? And that is, I am kidding. I need to say that before somebody leaves here thinking he gets it all. All right, the bank charges interest on the money it loans to the church. Everybody knows that, right? Okay. The church pays the money it owes to the bank plus interest. Okay? Okay. The bank profits by keeping the interest. That's that's what they do. That's what they're in business for, right? This goes on for a long time. The church pays a lot of money. The bank makes a lot of money. It's as simple as I can state it, right? Is everybody okay with that? You understand that? Everybody got it because it's important. Okay. Come on here. What if you could take a lot of that interest back and keep it? That's it. That's a good one. Yay. That's what we want. Right. Church bonds. That's how you do it. Okay. Here we go. Church bonds. How do they work? Church members buy bonds issued by their church. It's a security regulated by strict laws. Did you understand me? The bonds are issued by your church, not somebody you don't know. Your church issues the church bonds. You know how the deal works here, so it's easy to keep up with. A registered banking trustee manages manages the money, not the church. Church receives money to replace the current high-priced loan. In other words, you pay uh, either all or most of those guys off and kiss them goodbye. The church pays interest on the church bonds to the trustee who then pays the church member instead of the bank. Wow, that's getting cool. When the term on the bond is reached, all the original investment plus any interest still owed is paid to the church member. It's like a mortgage, but the church member replaces the bank and receives the interest. Do something good with it. 
That's, that's my deal there. I'm going to fall off this thing before the night's over. Okay. The church wins and the member wins. You got it? You've replaced the bank. That's all. So this one is really easy. Well, let's go to the next one. The bank loses. Uh, we shouldn't wish ill on the bank. But it's cool to get the money. Okay. Here's the big difference. Tithes and offerings are a gift given free will by you under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to your church so that your church can do kingdom building and reach people that do not know the gospel. Make sense? That's it. I saw your mission statement. It's as good as they get. Most of those mission statements are six or eight sentences long and I don't know, they got them off the internet or something. Yours makes, yours is good, and it makes sense. Church bonds are an investment. Big difference. An investment is paid for with different money than, than tithes and offerings. It's paid for with IRA, 401K, or other investment type money. Buckets three and buckets four. Now, this is, this is critical. No one is asking you to give more money to your church. They're asking you to replace the bank and make some money. Now, what you do with it is up to you. Do we understand the difference? Huge difference. One's a gift. One's an investment. Okay. Come on here. Now, let's go back to our four buckets again. Tithes and offerings. Bucket one. By bonds, bucket four. Won't always be the case, but most of the time, this is the case. All right. That's what the APM guys will help you do, is sort out where that money needs to come from. What are church bonds? It's a commitment from your church to you. Church bonds are certificates of indebtedness. I've used this term before, and I've been asked not to, so I'm going to do it anyway. Um, because it has a negative connotation. But in this case, it's not negative at all. It's really positive. You know what a church bond is? It's an IOU from your church that says, you loan me money and I owe you the money back plus interest. That's what it is. Okay? That's called a certificate of indebtedness. See, that's like a big financial word. It's not necessary. It's an IOU with a lot of backing and a lot of rules and regulations that go with it to your benefit. Or bonds like stocks. Nope. Stocks are ownership in a company, right? Bonds are debt that's owed to you, a note that's owed to you. Ownership means when you buy stock in IBM, you own this teeny, weeny, little, tiny piece of IBM, an owner. When you buy bonds in IBM, they owe you money. You can't buy ownership positions in your church because it's a nonprofit, and that's a good thing. But you can buy bonds in your church and be paid accordingly. This is your opportunity to help your church do kingdom building and make some money at the same time. I told you it's going to be direct, but that's what it is. Now, what you choose to do with that money is between you and the good Lord. Are they safe? Well, they're safe is the, is the paying ability of your church. I want to say something about this because the other guys can't say too much about it because of rules and regulations. You would not be this far <laughs> with this bond offering if your finances, your leadership, your structure, your building, and you heard the pastor say that there had been a recent appraisal done on your building. That, there was a reason for that. 
All of that has already been put through the ringer before there has been a, yes, this can be approved for a bond offering. So the hard due diligence, meaning that looking under the table and in the drawers and everything to make sure all the filing cabinets have been checked, to make sure that the church can successfully pay this money back has already been done. And so that's why we're here tonight, because that work has already been done. That is not part of my work at all. My work is education, but I don't do that unless I know the due diligence has been done, and it has already been done for you. So the, the bonds are often backed by the property. Not always. A lot of bonds are issued unsecured, which means they're secured by the bill-paying ability of the church, which has been pretty good, like great. If they're secured by the property, that makes me feel even worse. But, hey, I'm not trying to teach you that. That's a good thing. It simply means that if there's a default or the thing doesn't work, then the church is sold and that, by the trustee, and that money is then used to pay the investors back. Now, who wants to see their church sold? Okay, so, so that to me, that's a little bit of a negative connotation anyway. But you'll know your structure after it's all completed up, and I think Dr. Reed's going to tell you a little bit about that later anyway. How do you get paid? Bond buyers, that's you, get paid interest every six months. When bonds mature, then you get your last payment and all your original money back. Compound interest bonds pay everything at the end. You make a little bit more money, but you don't get any money along the way. There's two kinds of bonds. There's the simple interest bonds. Every six months, a check shows up in the mailbox for you if you want it. And a compound interest bond doesn't pay you anything until it has lived its life and it matures. How long is its life? It depends on how long you bought it for. Like a CD, you know how you buy those for a year or two years or ten years or whatever it may be. The longer term, the higher interest rate they pay. I don't know what your interest rates are likely to be, but I'll guarantee you they'll be about 500%. That's not a joke higher than the banks to start with. Okay, so let's go on from there. Uh, here we go. Come on, change, please, 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 please. When do you get paid? Okay, let's say it again. Every six months until the bond matures or you sell it. There's an exception to this. It's a good one. We'll hit it in a minute. Is the interest taxable? Depends. Bonds are taxable as ordinary income. It means they're not capital gains type instruments. They're ordinary income at the state and federal level unless you purchase the bonds with retirement account money and you hold them in a retirement account, then they are tax deferred. I don't know another word for deferred except put off. You're going to owe taxes on it, but you don't owe it when it's only, you only owe it when you take it out and actually use the money. Hopefully you use that money later in life when your tax bracket is lower because you have retired. Now, frankly, if you, <laughs> if you deal with our guys, we statistically have <laughs> done this for years. Most of our folks and clients actually have larger incomes when they retire than they did when they were working because if they get structured upright, you can create some enormous incomes out of some of this stuff. So at any rate, you can have them tax deferred or you've got to pay ordinary income tax on them. Now, you get paid every six months. What are you going to do with the money? Something good, right? Whatever you want to, something good. How long and how much do I have? Well, normally, how long is from six months to 25 years? And again, I don't know your exact structure. Someone's going to tell you that. Six months to 25 years. How much is the minimum? The smallest bond I've ever seen was about $250 as a starter. That's 
okay for folks. If that's what they have, that's good. You want you really with the kind of offer you have here. There's a limited amount of them. It's not like there you can have as many as you want. There's only a certain amount of money uh, that you can put into the bonds under certain conditions for certain periods of time. So that's what the financial folks will sit down with you and look at and say, look, this is this will be suitable for you. We don't want to go past this because it'll strain you somewhere else. You don't want to go less than this because you don't want to miss the opportunity. But this is what's suitable for you. Okay. Can I buy bonds in my IRA account? Yes, a simple transfer or rollover is all that's needed. If you've got an IRA, an individual IRA, simple IRA, any kind of IRA, then you can buy church bonds with it if the investments inside of it haven't locked you down. See, a lot of financial advisors will put you in investments that are locked in for a long period of time. And when they do that, that money's not free. So we don't know that until you actually look at the account statements and say, nope, that's okay, or too bad, you've been locked out. Okay. How do I redeem or close out my bond? Well, it's automatic. As per the terms and conditions of the bond you bought, you really don't have to do anything. A trustee handles all the money. You just go to the mailbox and pick the check up or have it electronically transferred. That means when your bond matures, how do you get your money back? It shows up. The trustee sends you your money. Who's the trustee? Someone in a far-off place, the only thing they do under the watchful eye of the federal government. Does that make you feel good? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's highly regulated by the feds. Anyway. I shouldn't say that, should I? Okay. The church can call my bonds. What does that mean? Well, it means the church can pay you off early. Okay. It's not a bad thing. It's definitely not a good thing. It's just a thing. It means that if you bought a 25-year bond paying 7 point whatever, 25%, and you were fat and happy with that thing, and it had been running about five years, and you got a notice in the mail that said, we have been so successful, God bless you and thank you, we're paying you off early, we're calling your bond, you no longer own it, here's all of your money and the interest that was owed up to that point on it. You're sitting there with a big pile of money, but that 7.25% interest you were getting is gone. So what do you do now? Well, that's called reinvestment risk. You pick the phone up and you call somebody who knows what they're doing and say, what do I do now? And they'll say, well, okay, what was the purpose of it? How much do we need? And you find a new place for that money. The church can do it if they want to. These are callable. Wouldn't that be a good thing, though, really? That means your church is just ripping and snorting and rolling and, and right on God's plan. So that would be a happy day. Okay, what if I need to cash out my bond early? Ooh, okay. Yes, you can sell your bonds early, but it's tough. Er, than selling stock. Normally, if you're trying to sell out stock, you can do that within seconds. If you're doing it online on a computer screen, press a couple of buttons, you now do not own that anymore. Call an investment advisor and go through the hassle, all that stuff, but probably going to sell it in minutes, maybe seconds, I don't know. The bonds are not that quickly to liquidate. So you need to buy a bond that's consistent with the term that you're trying to invest for. Think CDs. Do you ever buy a CD saying, well, I'm going to buy a 10-year CD, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to cash this thing out in a year. You, know, you wouldn't do that. I mean, you just wouldn't. So you want to buy these consistent with the time period that you think that money is purposed for. If you don't know then what we can do is advise you on how to ladder these, how to buy a shorter term, a midterm, a longer term, and a longer term. Okay. Who should invest in church bonds? You know what? I'm going to skip through that because it's everybody in this room that it's suitable for. How do you determine suitability? Well, we'll help you determine that. That's what we're actually here for. 
Okay, so what would my investment really look like? Let's do this fast. Here's a $10,000 investment, 10 years at 7% interest. That's going to pay $350 every six months. That's $7,000 a year interest paid to you, which turns uh, $700 a year interest paid to you, which turns into $7,000 paid over the 10-year period of time. At the end of 10 years, you get your original 10 grand back plus your last interest payment. And if that fits your plan at that time, do it again because there's other church bonds and other great churches that would be available to you. Okay, don't want to leave your money tied up for 10 years? Fine, just pick the time period that fits you best. Next steps. On the seats in front of you, now this is not that fill out this form and we will forever batter your mailbox with things in the mail. That's not what this is. We do not do that. There's an indication of interest form in front of you that you can fill out so your church who will not see this form, it is incredibly private incredibly confidential it's going to have information on it that you probably do not want your other church members to know about and certainly not to church staff and your pastor i'm being as honest with you as i possibly can be it goes in a fiduciary responsibility group so that we can look and see and particularly eagle ledge who's doing your bond offering can uh, can you guys rise to that level it's needed is it 1.6 chet or one five 1.5 million dollars is the magic number. Now, if you guys fill out these things and it comes up to 500,000 bucks, we're in trouble. If it comes up to 2 million, we've got some talking to do. So that's what this is. It's an indication of interest to see what's possible here. It's not a commitment, and someone's going to talk to you about that here in just a second because I'm going to go quick now. Your next step will be to set up a meeting which will be organized for you with one of the APM financial educators who'll sit down with you to go through a new account process if you're buying church bonds and then the rest of whatever's needed in the financial needs analysis so we'll make all of this stuff fit together so it does what you want it to do and accomplishes what you want it to accomplish. You complete your new account form and review your financial needs analysis to try to get the maximum benefit out of it and and we categorize that as planning with a purpose And, and that's it. Then you get things in place you start to collect your newfound money and hopefully you do something really good with it now we normally do questions but we're going to do those at the end for those of you that have stuck it out this long thank you very much i want to bring dr reed back up here he's going to talk to you specifically about what your offering is and what it looks like for just a few minutes Because he's covered so many of them so well already. I do want to share with you that because of a small group that we started with, just to see what the interest would be, there, there, have, there was over $400,000 worth of indication of interest with a very small group that we met with several weeks ago uh, that gave us great, great encouragement. Now, I want to remind you of, of a few things. As we are, we are preparing and drafting the prospectus right now as we speak, uh, you can't buy a bond tonight. You can't write a check tonight. You can only buy securities when you have a prospectus in your hand. And that's not where we are tonight, but we are in that process. But I do want to share with you several things. So the amount of your offering is going to be somewhere between $1.5 and $1.7 million. Uh, the investment is going to be for, uh, for 20 years. It's going to be a 20-year fully amortized bond offering. The interest rates that we're going to be applying to these investments are going to start 
on the low end at 2%, and they're going to go as high as 7%. Like any investments, the longer you invest for, the higher the rate of return you will receive. Unlike investments at a bank, the lar- when, you, when your interest rate gets impacted uh, by the larger amount of money that you put on deposit, you get a higher rate. With bonds, it has to do with the longer term that you invest for, the higher the rate you will receive. And so you can imagine if a person only invests for six months, they're going to make a couple percentage points. Those that are out on the longer end, they're going to make seven. And somewhere in between is going to be a graduated interest rate for those that are uh, purchasing these bonds. These bonds, the interest rates on these bonds are fixed. They are not variable. They are fixed from whatever, whatever the yield is on that bond when you buy it. If you buy a 10-year bond and it has a, a 6% coupon on it, it can never be anything other than 6%. It's always going to be 6%. It doesn't matter what the market does. It's 6% until it is paid off or until it is called in early. Now, Wayne talked about the two kinds of bonds. He, he said that there were simple interest bonds and there's compound interest bonds. And those, that is going to be true for your offering as well. And there's a real reason for that. Because there are two kinds of investment needs. People that are, uh, that, have their, that are generating income to live on typically want to purchase simple interest bonds. My mother falls into that category. My mom's 83. Now, my mom, when a new offering comes out from a church, she'll say to me, Chet, what should I buy? Well, I almost always encourage her to purchase the simple interest bonds because she wants income in which to live on. And then she turns around and she'll ask me, how long should I invest for? And I said, you should buy the longest-term simple interest bond in that offering. Now, my mom is 83, and mom always reminds me, son, I will never live 20 years to see that bond mature. And as a good son, I say to her, mom, who's going to inherit when you pass away? And she says, you are. And I say, I love church bonds. <laughs> and so it depends on what your need is. If you are living on your investment dollars, then you want to probably buy simple interest bonds. But there are a lot of people who would benefit from a compound interest bonds for the reasons that Wayne has talked about. You have a child that's going to go to college in a certain number of years, and you want to have some dollars mature for, uh, for each of the semesters while they are going to school. You may want to fund your retirement accounts. Uh, those kinds of things are well met with compound interest bonds. So remember, the longer you invest for, the higher the rate of return that one receives. Now, you may be like my mother and go, well, I, I, I don't want to really invest for that longest period of time. Well, let me just say this to you. I have done this for 20 years, and here's what, here's what oftentimes happens. Churches historically don't like debt, and they like to pay off their debt as quickly as they can. Depending on where you are in the economic cycle, when churches are borrowing, generally between 8 and 13 years, they pay off existing debt. And they pay, they pay, pay it off with a capital gift campaign, or they may refinance because rates come down dramatically and they can save, they can save money because of that. But typically, there, it's very rare to see bonds go the entire period that they have uh, been amortized for. Now, Wayne talked about the repayment and how they can be called, and, and so I think you understand that. 
I think it's important, while he's mentioned Reliance Trust Company is going to be the trustee on the offering, I want to say this. When you invest, no checks are ever written to APM Foundation. No checks are ever written to Eagle Edge Capital. They're always written to the trustee. So nobody, no one here that you've seen tonight is handling any of your dollars. Those things are regulated. They're, the, the checks are not written out to us. Your church, when it makes its monthly mortgage payment, doesn't write it to us. They write it to the trustee. Again, no one is handling your, uh, your church's dollars or your dollars personally. Now, I mentioned to you that the prospectus is underway. It, it is being drafted. It will be available probably in, in a few more weeks. And we are looking for you to, to assist by filling out the one-pager you've got tonight to show your indication. It gives us some additional information on the back. That helps APM know how to help you the best. Uh, when you are done with that, we'd like you to fold those and give those to us at the front. Uh, don't give them to the staff. Give them to us because of the confidentiality thing. Now, with that, I'm going to ask Wayne if he'll join me on the platform again, and we're going to take any questions that you might have so that we can, uh, we can help uh, an answer those. And Richard has a roving mic to make sure your questions be First question we had in the back was for you to translate Rip, Snort, and Tear from Texan to Californian. It, it, uh, rip, Snort, and means uh, something close to it's moving forward at an accelerated pace. <laughs> My question is, wow. My question is, if you're getting a settlement, um, does it matter what kind of company or organization it is? Well, no. First, don't call J.G. Wentworth because uh, <laughs> they'll take most of it. But if you're getting a settlement from something that happened, so you're being paid to settle whatever the issue was, then that money becomes free money at that point. I don't mean free in the sense of you got it for free. I'm sure you went some, through something to get it. But it becomes usable in any way you want to use it at that time. You wouldn't be able to purchase a retirement type bonds with that money. You'd be able to purchase, just use it as normal money to purchase bonds with. Okay, so that means that if they were going to pay me a certain amount per month um, for mm. the rest of my life, then it would be the smaller ones then. Because you wouldn't be able to go to the company and take all the money. I don't know what your settlement may be. We've been involved with a lot of those for folks. Normally, uh, you'll have two offers, and I know this is personal, so we'll just make it quick. If they're offering you a lump sum or a payout, take the. I can guarantee you, take the lump sum. It'll it'll it will always work better for you when it's properly invested. If you're only being offered a monthly payout, you really don't have a choice. It it is what it is, and then. Uh, there's no reason why that money, this is a good financial planning structure, that money can be placed in something that allows it to start to grow and build, and when it reaches a level, then it can be used to purchase your church's bonds or other church bonds as well, and you just keep building that and letting that build over time if that's not money you need to live on, okay? Yeah, yeah about how long do you uh, expect uh, until the prospectus is uh, released? I, th I think that we'll have uh, what is called a red herring probably in about uh, four weeks that could be distributed. 
it's not the final prospectus, but it would be it would be a draft uh, with basically completed but not entirely completed. Still couldn't actually purchase at that point, but you'd have a document in which to review. I would suspect that we're looking uh, 45 days or so out before this offering could come to market. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Which that brings up another point about 45 days, uh, according to Chet, before your bonds go live. Um, gives us about 45 days to get everything done we need to get done with you to make sure that you're qualified as individuals to do it, that it's really suitable for you, that the level you're going to make the investment is suitable, and that the rest of your investments, if you have those, whether they're, we'll, we'll help you deal with all of it, no matter where it is, all of those are going to fit the whole structure to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So we want to start the meetings with you fairly quickly and the church will notify you that. And we'll do those back here at the church, probably an hour to hour and a half meeting with you to sit down and kind of go through everything and, and let you just ask any question you want, and then we'll help you put all those pieces together. Um, I have a question. Um, when we have savings accounts and it builds up and we'd like to invest more, how, how does that go about? Because it sounds to me like it's a one-time um, investment, or is can we do that over a period of... Let me take that. Um, you're on the right track, so congratulations. Uh, uh, you paid attention. <laughs> the bonds that your church is going to offer, it, it's my hope and prayer and God's will, we hope, that they sell out. And that they sell out quickly. And once they're sold out, they're gone. Now, they may come back up on what's known as the secondary market. That just means, let me use a word, used. Someone's had them for a while and they don't want them anymore. Their life situation has changed. Those may become available for you to purchase in your church. But the chances are they're going to sell out within a, a time period. We would hope it would be on the first day. Maybe it would be within the first year. But certainly it's going to sell out pretty quickly. But that's what financial planning with a purpose is about also. If you have savings and you are being able to save because you're spending less than you're making, congratulations, one of the few, uh, seriously, that that, gives, that puts you in a position to make other good investments. And there are a lot of other good investments that won't yo-yo you up and down like so many of them do. And we'll be happy to work with you and show you what those are. And then you can go do that or we'll be happy to help you do it. Yes, ma'am. Question. Um- who I need clarification as far as the financial trustee that will set up the bond program for our church. Who is that? We're going to use Reliance Trust Company. They're in Atlanta, Georgia. Reliance Trust Company I've used for the last almost 20 years. Uh, they are in, in Georgia. There are only six trustees nationally that do this type of work on a regular basis. Reliance has 80% of all of the business. They are regulated as a bank in the state of Georgia and they manage about $6 billion worth of assets. And then what sort of remuneration do they receive for setting up and administering they, the program? They do have a, they do, there's a monthly cost for the services they're providing, and I haven't priced it yet, so I can't tell you what that is. It's not a lot, but they're obviously, they're not doing it for nothing. Thank you. Rich, we got one up here in the front, too. Is this an easy question? I think so. Okay. So we are investing in bonds in our church, which is a nonprofit. Why is that not tax-deferred in itself, regardless of whether it's IRA funds or 401K funds? 
separation of church and state would be the easy answer, but that's nevertheless the the uh, the end result. If the, if the offer, there would be an exception to the rule, if the church were offering bonds that had a community purpose, like you were, uh, it, it was educational in purpose. That you had a daycare that was going to be open to the public, then those bonds could be qualified as. Uh, as tax-exempt, and I have done those. That is not the case for this particular offering. This offering is a refinance of existing debt uh, and not for non, uh, non-exempt purposes. Want the, want, the, uh, want the easy answer? The church is nonprofit, but we're not. We mean individuals that are actually receiving the income coming back off of them. And so that's, that's the easy answer the IRS always goes with. So there's two ways that do it. Chet answered it as terms of maybe the church could get qualified for them to be tax exempt, and that's really the only way. And so the second, the second level of that the IRS always looks at is that the income is being produced by you, and you are not tax exempt, so they are going to tax them. You may have already answered this. I, don't, I didn't get it if you did. So we buy the bonds... I'm over here. Okay. <laughs> so we buy the bonds, and is there a length of time? I can't even formulate the question. Is there a length of time that you have to answer or sell all the bonds? And then if you don't sell all the bonds, what happens? Are we still committed to buy the bonds? Great question. Right. It is a good question. The, 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 the state of California, because to sell the bonds, uh, we have to receive a permit from the Department of Corporations which we will apply for on your behalf. The, the, the permit is good for one year. But while the Department of Corporations allows the sale to go on for one year, one year is not satisfactory for us. It's not satisfactory for you, not satisfactory for us. When you have a bond offering, you want to start it and you want to finish it. And so we would hope that uh, the bonds would sell uh, relatively quickly within a few weeks after their initial offering. Go ahead. Yes. The, the, the one of the things that I, that I have said that I would do for the church is I would help I would help the church find a lender that would do that that first trust deed portion, which I have done already, and and you'll be meeting with uh, shortly. They won't make that loan if we don't sell the bonds. And the reason it's a combination loan and bonds is because your church, like many churches, over the last several years has declined in value enough that your loan-to-value is too high that the, that the lender would make the whole loan for you. And so you need, you need the bonds to sell for them to be able to do their first trust deed part. However... It's not true that if we never found a, if we didn't have a, a lender for you on the first part, the bonds could still be sold and reduce your debt. Not that that's what you want to do, but it could be done. Okay, if, if, we, do, if we did not sell all the bonds that needed to be sold, 
uh, then what, what could happen, or if the church said, we didn't get all the money, so therefore we don't want any portion of the bonds, and you'd already paid for your bonds, the money hadn't been released yet because it's sitting in an escrow at Reliance Trust Company, the monies would simply be returned to you with the interest that you had earned on them while they were sitting at Reliance. That's a good question, and a very rare question. It is, yeah. It's a very rare question. Richard, there's a lady right here in the front, too. Get your just, just a quick question in reference to the indication of interest form. If we've already filled one out or if others have already filled one out, do we need to fill out a second? No, I don't think so. There's a, the, it's different than the first one you filled out because on the back of it is the information we need for that meeting when we sit down with you for qualification. Uh, that's a really good question. I don't think we thought about that. If you attended that first meeting and you filled out uh, that indication of interest form, if you would just on that form just say, already filled a form out, put your name on it, because we've got the stuff on the front page, then flip that over in the financial and do have you ever worked for a securities firm and all of the stuff that we have to get from an SEC standpoint, if you'd go ahead and just fill that out, it'd be really helpful to everybody to, to make the meeting the most successful that we could when we sit down with you. Yes, now ma'am. I have a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I see on the on the front page of this of this uh, application or indication of interest, it says 401k, not current employer. Why? Normally, those monies can't be moved. Normally, your employer, normally, there's always, there's always an exception to finances. But normally, if you have a current 401k with an employer, then they have a plan that they've signed on to and somebody's managing that and only the investments that they allow you to invest in. You've probably gotten a list of things you could tick off and say, put my money, you know, it's, sometimes it looks like the phone book, but you have that list of things. Church bonds will not be on that list because we were just doing the offering and that thing was put together some time ago. We'd need to look at it, but I can almost assure you that it's going to be disappointing. There's that rare exception when it's not, and that makes it a little more difficult. But you could always quit, use that money then. It frees it up as soon as you do that, and then talk them into hiring you back on Monday. Okay. Yeah, can these be purchased through a Roth IRA account? I see 401K and what have you. Yes. Yes? Yes. So then they would be interest. You'd pay the interest now, and it would... When they mature, you know, you I'm going to answer that as yes, but I'm going to qualify it. So, will you remember this now? Let, let's make a deal. Those rules are in constant flux. Right. I mean, constant flux. Like, what day is this? If those guys go back to work and show up in Washington tomorrow, there may be right. a different nuance to the way that's going to work. But normally, the answer would be yes. Yeah, well, they've talked about limiting the contribution Correct. more or eliminating it altogether. Right. And it can happen overnight. Can the bond money be used for other things for the church other than just paying for the loan to value? In your particular offering, we've been asked to provide monies in the bond offering to, for the refinance and the refinance only. Okay. It could, so it could, there, could be another, there could be a time that uh, you, the church would say, well, we want to do some renovations, and you want to do an additional bond offering. Those then at a, at a later date, those dollars could be used for whatever you have stated you wanted to issue new bonds for. But right now, this offering is being structured for the refinance uh, only. So, if the bank were to uh, review the appraisal and say they, they call for a new roof, can the bond money go to 
the new roof in order to make the refinance possible. The bond offering can be used almost for anything that the church is, is outlining in the prospectus that the dollars will be used for. Here's what can't happen. We issued the, the prospectus is done. We've received the permit from the Department of Corporations. And halfway through the bond sales, um, someone says or the church votes and says, we'd like to have that new roof you just mentioned. Well, can't do that because we've outlined in there for the bondholders, these are the items that the bond money can be used for, and there can be no deviation. So if the first trustee calls for a new roof and we put it down in the prospectus. Could you have a new roof? Yes. Okay. I just know that they won't, wouldn't loan on something that, Okay, and so, again, anything the church has outlined and we outline that prospectus to, to be used for, it can be used for. Okay. But it has to be disclosed. That's the right. point. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Wayne, you mentioned that you were a foundation, so I was wondering how do you gentlemen make money, get money? The, the APM Foundation was put together a number of years ago by a couple of individuals, uh, who funded the foundation completely for life, and then the foundation takes its own advice uh, and invests wisely, and that funding grows, and so that supplies all the funding that's necessary for all of our guys to do what they do. Okay, Wayne, it looks like we're at the end of the questions. You want to wrap up on what we do next? Yeah. Um, are we okay on questions now? This is not your last chance, but let me do a quick introduction because you'll need to know who these folks are. Let's start with Russ George on the end down here. He's one of our senior financial planners. Uh, we'll be close. He'll be working with your church. Excellent guy. Um, they don't work for our foundation unless they are. Uh, Dr. Bob Lewis uh, was a pastor for, give me the years, Bob. Forgot. 15, 16 years. He was also the director of missions for about a little under 70 churches in the Sacramento area for close to 18 or 19 years uh, that I know of, chairman of a uh, savings and loan, and is a senior financial planner with us. He'll be working with you as well. The guy, the big tall guy uh, that probably should be the Texan is Richard Sweat. Richard is uh, my director of West Coast Operations uh, here, and he'll be overseeing some of the the activities and the plans that we put together here, and all of these guys will be here when it's over. Uh, again, and Justin asked me to do this, my name is Wayne Rogers, I'm the chairman of the APM Foundation, and you don't want to meet with me because I just have too much fun. Our hour meeting will go into three or four hours, as you can tell from the talk. So meet with these guys because they can really get, get the job done for you in a hurry. What's going to happen now is we want to collect those pieces of paper from you outside of your church staff. Everybody knows why, right? That's got some pretty personal stuff on it. Now, you treat us, the APM Foundation guys, which are financial planners, registered financial consultants, all of those things and all of those titles, and within our organization are our attorneys and CPAs and everything that we need. We work under a fiduciary standard the same as your lawyer or your doctor. Whatever you tell us stays with us and with that individual that you're speaking to. If we violate that, it gets really ugly for us. So with great confidence, you'll, you'll talk to us the same way you would tell your doctor where it hurts. 
If you don't tell us what your financial situation is, it's a lot like going to your doctor and saying it hurts, and he says where, and you say I'm not going to tell you. You figure it out. Okay, that takes a little more time. So that's why those very personal questions are on there, and there's ha that's how we get to help you quickly. We don't really care. Uh, frankly, I'll, I'll be just as frank with you as I can. We don't really care where you are financially. But we use the Jesus principle. I don't know how you got here, but let's make it better from here going forward. That's really what we're all about. We want to put you in a better place financially so you can give more if you want to, and the Spirit moves you to do it, and you can serve more with comfort. So that's what we do. So what happens next is give those forms to the guys here so then the money people and the technical people like Chet can look through and see whether this has a chance of really being successful, which we... Excuse me, we already know that it, it actually does. Then we'll collect those up and we'll start scheduling a meeting time very quickly with you and your family over a number of days. Now, your church is going to be involved in that scheduling. That does not mean they know anything. Everybody understand that? Your church is going to help us schedule when we meet with you, but they will know nothing that's on your form except the fact that it's time for your meeting and when can you do that. Everybody understand, I want that to be real, real, real clear. They do not have that form. They will not get that form. In fact, that form is leaving town tonight, and it will never come back into the borders again of Petaluma. So that's how serious this is. So that's going to happen within the next few days, and you'll be hearing from us, and that's what it's all about. And I don't know what else to do tonight, except I know Ron is in the back back there. I'm sure he wants to, to kiss us all goodbye. We've had a great time here tonight. I want to thank you for those, some of those questions. Those are some of the best questions we've ever had. Had a great time the first time we were here and even more so now. God bless you and thank you very much. You know, um, first of all, thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Chet. And uh, uh, as I look forward... The great thing is God's given us a great way to move forward as a church. And uh, I want to say this. When these guys meet and when we set up the appointments with you, uh, I want you to know that they were very clear with us and they'll be very clear with you. We're not here to sell you church bonds. Okay? This is not one size fits all. They will sit down and do a full financial plan with you and they will say, these are the places we would recommend and if church bonds are a good fit for you, then they'll recommend that, but they will not recommend that if it's not a good fit for you. Because we as a church would not want them to do that. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, we're not going to move the church forward by hurting its members. We will move the church forward by blessing its members. So I want to make sure that you know that. Okay? Thank you so much for coming tonight and giving us a couple, two and a half hours of your time. And uh, a big thank you to... Uh, all the people who work behind the scenes to put together the food, put together this. You got phone calls, you got emails, you got all kinds of stuff from people working behind the scenes. And uh, I want to close in prayer. That God will take this and just move us forward as a church. Lord, um, it's just great to know that you have a plan. And it's a great financial plan. And it's one that brings with it blessing. It's one that brings with it um, free planning, and, and that sets us up individually well for the future and takes us from where we are today and puts us in, it, it makes us better stewards of the resources that you've given and at the same time 
it blesses the church, sets us up well. So Lord, would you bless every meeting that will take place in the future? Would you bless every one of us as we fill out the forms? Would you bless us as we sit down to financially plan? And Lord, it's our prayer that someday you would reveal to us, maybe even in heaven, all that you accomplished in and through us during this time that we had no clue about. We were just doing the next right thing. Doing it faithfully and doing it trusting you. Father, we bless you. We bless you with our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you.